This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, April 21st, 2022, and I have the implacable editor-in-chief of Fandroid, Mr. Nick Gray here with me. Hi, Nick. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun. We have a whole bunch of little things today that are in some ways pretty US-centric, but also some foreign news that I think are of interest. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to this news day. It was pretty light when I put it together. And then it kind of all happened actually today, which is great because by the time this is published on Saturday, you know, it'll be two days old and you guys will already have read all the stories and you can like join us in our opinions. So <laughs> a bunch of OnePlus news. Do you want to start with a Nord 25G? I'm actually pretty stoked about this one. Yeah, let's do it. So um, as you know, last year, folks, we got an N200 5G, which other than the maybe kind of mad camera was actually a pretty great deal. And again, for the US market, you have to understand that you know, with all the awesome Realmes and Xiaomi's and Pocos and, you know, whatever Oppo's out there, you you guys out there broad are getting better stuff for the money than we are. But for us, this was great because also sold by a carrier, T-Mobile. And I reviewed it for how, how I really liked it. But, you know, there were a few things like I had an LCD at a high refresh rate. I think it was 90 or 120 hertz. I think in 90. But it was like a lot of bezel, a lot of chin. So we were hoping that we'd see something a little better this year with the replacement of the N10, which is also a phone that we got. So the N20 is out. I mean, it's announced. It's not out. I think you can pre-order it. But um, what's your take on those specs? Well, I mean, it's not the best phone we've ever seen from OnePlus, but I mean, you definitely wouldn't expect it. I mean, the I believe the price point of this device comes in right under $300. I think it's like $280. Um, coming to T-Mobile. And for that, I mean, you do get a pretty decent Snapdragon 600 series chipset. Uh, it should be the 695 5G Yeah, chip. that's actually a pretty decent one. I mean, last year, there was a 480, and that was a little ugh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, compared to the 480, it's not a massive leap forward. It's still lower than, say, the Snapdragon um, 765, which I think all of us really love that mid-range chipset, but that's typically in devices that, you know, when that came out was $500 devices. If we saw that now, they would probably be, you know, $350, $400. Yeah, this is more Nord, regular Nord, this right? Is, yeah, this is one step below that, but yeah. it should still be pretty powerful enough to, you know, play some decent games on this device. It's not going to be, you know, bleeding edge performance with, you know, Genshin Impact or anything like that, but it still should be able to perform pretty admirably uh, if you are into gaming and don't want to spend, you know, $1,000 for, you know, a really high-end device. But yeah, as you mentioned, it does get a little bit of a step back as far as that display goes. It goes from 90 hertz to 60 hertz. But the flip side is that it's not an LCD screen anymore, which last year, and now it's an OLED display, which, you know, it's, you do get a little bit of ghosting on those LCD screens that are claiming to be 90 hertz and 120 hertz, even though they are just, you know, offering those refresh rates, you 
I'm sure you've noticed it yeah. with a lot of the Xiaomi devices with 120 hertz LCD screens, you get some ghosting and it's not the same, a one-to-one -one comparison when switching from OLED or LCD to it's OLED. It's really more checking a checkbox. Like I really don't like LCDs at a high refresh, personally, mm -hmm. I, unless you like, I even the higher end ones, I've never really been impressed. I'd, I'd rather take a 60 hertz OLED. And I know some folks are sensitive to the, the pulse width modulation of the low light dimming um, and can't handle LCDs, but... Most of us are going to be happier with an AMOLED, no matter what, even if it's at 60 hertz. Now, this still has a bit of a chin, and I'll tell you why that is, folks. A lot of the BBK group phones, Realme, Oppo, and this OnePlus, and also Xiaomi group phones this year, have adopted new, more affordable LCD panels that do not have the, the nip and tuck thing where the chin part can be, you know, basically minimized by having the a connector folded under the display for you know price purposes they've kind of come up with new oleds that have the display connector just like lcd so you get a bit of a chin but overall you still get super thin bezels all around and i do think the industrial design on this is really hot i really love slab-sided phones and i'm really kind of digging this 2022 trend we're mm -hmm. seeing like xiaomi realme uh, vivo's done it the v23 like of this slab side at least on some models and I know some people don't like it because it doesn't feel as good in hand because, you know, it's the iPhone copy thing. But I just like the looks of them. It does. Like, I, you know, there's Apple's been doing this design off and on for quite a few years now uh, with the slab sided phones. But we've seen it on Android devices, I don't know, going back 10 years to some HTC phone. So it's not like Apple invented it. OnePlus X, anyone? Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen this before on the Android side. And I, I think, is is this the first lab-sided phone from OnePlus that we've seen since the OnePlus X? I think so, yeah. I mean, we've we've had those curved edges on OnePlus devices for so long now. I'm holding the OnePlus 10 Pro right now, which, you know, definitely has those curves as well. Uh, but the, yeah, we've seen this trend uh, the last, I don't know, six months or so from the Android side where we've seen more and more flat-edged devices, which honestly, I think makes the design more distinct. Uh, I know, as you mentioned, it, it's less comfortable to hold in your hand, but I mean- I personally don't mind. Like that's what people say. What is it? 90% of people put a case on their phone anyways. So does it really matter? That's what people say though, Nick. I'm not necessarily on board with that. I don't find that it feels worse in hand. I actually find that it's easier to grip. You get a better grip. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You d definitely get a better grip. But uh, as far as the design goes, I mean, the it- looks completely different from any other OnePlus phone that's been released. It has these two main camera modules that are, you know, highlighted uh, on the back of the phone that kind of stand out from, from the back. Uh, and then and this there's... this little shiny bar at the bottom that kind of reminisces us from the, the iPhone 5 series, right? Yeah. And so I was, I was about to say, uh, you know, a matte belt glass finish on the back but is it this glass is a two, are we it's sure a 280 dollars phone this is there's no way this is glass so it's well, probably no, wait, that's not plastic. true there's some xiaomi phones and some realme phones that have a glass back panel at that price yeah point. i don't think that oneplus would do that though so i i, okay. I would probably say it's going to be plastic i don't have my review unit yet uh, neither I do i you're going to be getting yeah. one soon i'm i'm 
probably going to be getting one next week. Uh, so definitely interested in checking it out to see how this actually, you know, feels. Everyone talks about feeling the hand, but it, it does make a difference when you, you hold something and if it's comfortable or it's not comfortable. I have a feeling this is going to feel really nice uh, for a cheaper device. You know, $280, you typically don't talk about you know, the build material and the quality of the engineering in, in that aspect. Uh, but I definitely think this is going to be a positive for OnePlus, especially compared to last year's device that this is replacing. The N10 5G was yeah. a bit of a disaster. L let me talk about that a little bit. That that really left me cold. Like, I think it, overall it wasn't a bad phone, but it had a, a 90 hertz LCD, which was meh for me. Most importantly, it had a massive amount of bezel and it was this really shiny plastic and it had a, a fingerprint sensor mounted in the middle back. It just felt very anachronistic for a 2020 device. Mm -hmm. It came out late 2020. It felt like it should be, you know, from 2019 or 2018. And, and also it looked so much like a, like an Oppo or a Realme phone. It, it really wasn't OnePlus making an effort. And I think they heard us loud and clear because the N200 was you know, had this really cool back panel and was really trying to push design a little more within the limits of what you can do in the U.S. market for a carrier phone at $200, right? Yeah, exactly. But this looks to me like they again put an effort into it. And, you know, a lot of people are upset about the opification of OnePlus. I'm not really one of them, but at the same time, this is what we want. Differentiate. Like, if you're going to you know, use the spec sheet from an Oppo phone, which this pretty much does, mm -hmm. then just just give us a slightly different industrial design. And we've seen this with the OnePlus 10 Pro. I really like the fact that that phone, if you see it in the wild, you're not going to know immediately if you're a phone geek. You're not going to have to get too close to it to go like, oh, OnePlus oh, 10 Pro. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think what the OnePlus 10 Pro is one of the best looking devices that's on the market in 2022. I mean, it stands out. It does have some of that DNA from Samsung's devices with the camera module that melds into the frame. But I think they did it right in not completely copying what Samsung did, taking that idea and yeah. making it truly their own and delivering a device that truly stands out. You know, there's no way you're going to you're going to mistake the OnePlus 10 Pro for any other device that's on the market, which I think is a great thing. You always want a device that is truly its own design. Yeah. And look at look at this uh, design. I think it I mean, at least on renders looks really hot. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually looking forward to, other than that chin, but again, I explained that some of these new OLEDs are a little cheaper in terms of connector setup. Yeah, but, but I mean, honestly, like someone can complain about the chin, but for $280, who cares? But right? you know what like, else also? No, no, but it's not just that. It's just the fact that the, the actual rest of the bezels are thin mm -hmm. and that the curves of the OLED seem to kind of follow the curves of the chassis somewhat, which is, yeah. you know, a big thing that makes a phone look luxurious. Remember the, the Xiaomi Mi 11 back in a year ago or so before they dropped the Mi naming, mm -hmm. their flagship, not the Pro, not the Ultra. Yep. How the, I just really hated how the, the, the OLED's curves didn't match the curves of the chassis. It looked cheap for a super nice flagship phone. The yeah, rest it, of the phone was great though. It's, it's, it's as if they designed the chassis of the device and then figured out what display was going to go into it rather than designing them in tandem. Exactly. And honestly, that's not, that's not cool. Um, so this is going to look good. It, at least, from what we can see in the renders. 
And the other thing that I'm excited about is honestly the balancing of specs, right? This is the thing that made the N200, I think, a, such a great phone for the money for the US was that, yeah, the camera was about the only thing in there that spec-wise didn't live up to what we expect. But the results were actually okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if this at 60 hertz is not quite as good as, you know, you know what you'd expect right now from this kind of price point... I think it's still going to deliver a great experience. And if everything else is well-balanced from, from the chipset, from the fact that it has six gigs of RAM, which I think is pretty good, 120 gigs of storage with micro SD. So all of that is pretty hot, $282. We've got 33 watt fast charging, 4,500 milliamp hour battery and a 64 megapixel main camera. It's not going to be spectacular, but at least we get some pixel binning for some low light performance. You know, it's probably going to have an ultra wide, but I love that it doesn't try. Like, I guess there's a third camera. It's probably a sticker cam, but I do highlight just the two main sensors and they're not trying to put five sensors in that and be yeah. stupid about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many devices on the market in that $300 range that, you know, we have four cameras on the back and I'm like, well, two Three of them are, them are completely pointless. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And often that third one's completely pointless as well. Uh, the one thing I will want to point out, uh, this is shipping with Android 11 on uh. board versus Android 12. And, you know, Google I.O. is right around the corner. We're going to get the official unveiling. So it's of the old Oxygen OS. It's not the color OS. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I blame this specifically on carrier software issues and carriers approving, you know, software builds. I mean, this phone's probably been in the works for a long time. But didn't T-Mobile just approve Oxygen OS 12? I don't think they've rolled it out yet. Like they might have approved it, but I don't think it's rolled out to the OnePlus 9 Pro yet. That's no, I'm sold. talking about the 10 Pro came with it and it's, it's, or, isn't it sold by T-Mobile? Well, but that comes with it pre-installed and ah. like it, there's the cycles, like they, they submit for approval during certain cycles and, you know, a higher end device is going to get a different software, uh, review cycle than a lower end device. Like it just gets put on the back burner. And because of that, it, we, we get mid range devices a lot of times, you know, yeah. eight, nine months after a new version of Android was released, still being released with an older version of Android. So, I mean, this will eventually be updated to Android 12, but I would imagine that's probably the only the last thing it's gonna update see. it's going to yep. be seeing, uh, which is sad because Android 13 is right around the corner. We're supposed to be getting, uh, you know, our look at, you know, the official unveiling at Google I.O. next month. Yeah. Come on, carriers, get on board, especially Timo. But, you know, this it's... Is, uh, <sighs> I don't know. Like a lot of people complain about software updates. I, I really think carriers do need to do a better job, especially in the US, in getting these software updates rolled out to their specific devices because unlocked devices get them so much sooner. But, you know, when you're paying $280, your number one priority is simply budget. You're, you're not looking for a device that's up to date. And if you were, there's other devices on the market for you that'll, you know, do a better job. So question for you, do you think that this phone's actually using a 90 hertz or 120 hertz OLED, that it's just, you know, restricted to 60 hertz because they don't maybe want to step on the toes of something else, not their own, but like the general marketplace? Because here's the thing that's really weird. Those OLEDs that have the connector like this that require a chin that we see on the Xiaomi phones and the Realme mm -hmm. phones this year are all high refresh. I don't think manufacturers are making a 60 hertz panel anymore. 
So I'm wondering if this isn't a software purpose limitation, also potentially for battery life, because mm -hmm. this is not an adaptive refresh rate display. And the 4,500 milliamp hour, yeah, it's not the biggest. And, you know, it's possible that T-Mobile also said, you know, no, no, no 90 hertz on this. Ah, uh, I mean, that's an interesting... Maybe because of Samsung, because they have the A53 or something. You know, like, who knows? You know what I'm saying? That's an interesting question. But, I mean, I, I, would, I would say if they were putting it in and paying the money for a display that actually has that refresh rate, I think they would be touting it and showing it off. Just because they know they're going to get dinged by going from 90 hertz to 60 hertz, even though it's a switch over from LCD to AMOLED, they would try to minimize that if they could. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, unless there's something at play where, you know, maybe it is a higher refresh rate display, but you have to pay more for well, the drivers a chip in there or that something needs like to that. Drive it a certain yeah, yeah, I mean, for, for those who don't know, while there are chipsets and components inside of phones, sometimes they are software restricted simply based off of how much the OEM wants to pay the parts supplier to unlock certain features. So like a lot of times we have, you know, international unlock devices that only work with certain bands in certain countries. Right. Yeah, and it's totally. not because, oh, we only decided to choose to turn on these certain ones. It's because, hey, Qualcomm offers all these bands, but you have to pay to unlock certain numbers of them. You can only have so much for so much money. Yeah. And, and so, so you have to pick the ones that are the most popular in your market. Correct. And that's why you have ones that are, you know, they have eight bands, but these are eight bands specifically for Asia and this phone's for Asia and this one's for the US and the other bands are unlocked. It's not that they can't unlock all of them. They could, but they charge for each one that they have to unlock and it increases the price. And so if you're going to be selling a phone specifically to one market, you restrict it for that. So to your point, there, this could very well be a, you know, a 90 hertz panel. And they said, you know what? It costs an extra $2 to unlock the 90 hertz. Um, and so let's just limit it to 60. So that, you know, that could be... That is my gut feeling because I have not seen an OLED, AMOLED, whatever panel in the last year and a half, even at the low end, that wasn't 90 hertz. Is but I no wouldn't say, thing? so you mentioned battery life. I wouldn't say battery life would be one of the concerns as to why you'd want to limit it. I mean, yes, it's not the biggest battery ever, 4,500 milliamps, but 4,500 milliamps with a Snapdragon 695, this thing's going to last a day and a half two on days. a single charge. Yeah, yeah you, this is a day and a half to two day phone. Uh, you know, comparing it to anything with, you know, a Snapdragon 765 or higher, uh, it just consumes so much less power, especially on standby when the display is not off. But even when the display is on and you're, you're running this thing full throttle, it's not using that much power. So uh, I would imagine you'd be able to get at least, you know, eight hours of screen on time with this device under heavy use. Um, yeah. So you'd have a hard time killing this phone in a day. So I don't think the the battery life would be the concern for that. I would say if there's a you know pricing tier to unlock 60 hertz versus 90 hertz, That's I think that would probably is, yeah. be what it is. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Look, I have good feeling about this, folks, and especially for our market here in the U.S., which is a very different world in terms of pricing and carrier, you know, lock-in. And I'm glad to see this. I, I I had heard really good things for the last six months about this N25 G. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, yes, we can't get the Nord 2, which is a fantastic phone, and there's going to be a Nord 3 soon. And and we're about to talk about the OnePlus 10R slash OnePlus Ace. 
uh, that's available in, in China now and going to come to global markets. And it's definitely a better phone and, you know, better value. But at the same time, we're getting this. And I think, you know, my gut feeling until I get my review in it sometime soon is that this is going to be a good one, folks. So if you're looking for a budget phone, you're on Timo, you want 5G, you want all the trimmings, you want a well-balanced device. I think this looks well-balanced on paper to start with. Now, hopefully there's no major flaw when we review it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, but I mean, it, it, there probably are. But it, again, it's a $280 The camera device. is the only thing I can see here being potentially an issue. Yeah, and usually that's one of the main things that goes by the wayside when you're talking about a budget-friendly device like this. Yeah. So speaking of OnePlus some more, the OnePlus Ace was announced in China which will be coming probably to India as the 10R into other markets, uh, Southeast Asia, potentially even Europe. I don't know. Europe is getting the Nord generally and the CE. So we'll see. But the bottom line is, you guys just wrote about this on Fandroid. I'll link to the story. This, just to be clear, is essentially a rebadged Realme GT Neo 3. So, I mean, you're getting 150 watt charging. That's kind of the killer feature. That's what they announced at MWC and showed us at MWC. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's what we were looking at. Which is insane. And honestly, like they, they showed off the, the fast charging at MWC and we weren't exactly sure which device it was that was using these features. And I was surprised when this announcement came out. And, you know, even with the Realme announcement that came out, that it's a Dimensity chipset versus a Snapdragon chipset that's on the inside of this but phone. But they did this for the Nord too. We got a Dimensity 1200 yep. AI or whatever that, mm -hmm. that special version was. This is going to be better than that. Um, so this is actually technically above the Nord in many ways. Yeah, so... It's a 10R, those... right? The, the 9R was above the Nord, so... Correct. So for those who don't know, the Dimensity 8100... And this is the 8100 Max, Max. chipset, which is, a, <laughs> I I, I'm really Mediatek. not sure where the Max falls in there because MediaTek hasn't done like this Pro or Plus that, you know, Qualcomm has done in the past. So now it's the Max chip. Uh, but it, so it should be more powerful than the regular 8100. But for comparison, the 8100 is roughly a one-to-one -one comparison to the Snapdragon 888 and a step above the Snapdragon 870. Um, and I, I would That's say what we this, hear, is, yeah. this is a flagship, last year's flagship tier device um, that I would say is more efficient than last year's flagship chipsets were. Um, well, last year's 9R was exactly the same. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a, essentially a OnePlus 8T yeah. with all the same cameras, a slightly refreshed uh, visual like uh, chassis, and it had a Snapdragon 870. So it was actually a really great deal if you thought about what you were getting because you were getting like, a really nice phone. You get it. The, the AT, remember, was 865. So this is like, was a little better and with a more on point in terms of like design language to fit in with the, the, the nine series at the time. So this is kind of the same deal here. We're, we're kind of seeing the, the 10R being in this case, you know, a Realme re, rebadge, but it's the 150 watt that really sets it apart. And I think, Honestly, the specs look really solid. The pricing in China is 382 US dollars. I mean, converted from Chinese. So we're looking at, you know, it would never sell for that in, in the West, but say 400, right? $400 in Europe or India. 
Yeah, I would say probably in, in Europe is probably, you know, with that, a 400 euro uh, device, yeah. which would make this pretty compelling. I mean, it would probably be right around the same price as the Realme alternative. Well, it beats the Nord, actually. Yeah, it does beat the Nord. What's your take on this design? I mean, we already talked about the uh, well, it's N20, a, it's a and it's kind of... Realme GT Neo 3. <laughs> yeah, I it. mean, but the it does have that flat side edge design as well which you know we just and it does about. have these and lines that kind of vertically i, I think that's a sexy as hell man. That's, that's super cool that's, yeah 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 i mean realme has been doing these odd designs on the back of their phones for the i don't know the last year and a half or so they've been putting like racing stripes on the back of their phones uh and a couple other textures as well on the glass um i i really like this i don't know i haven't i haven't held one yet so i can't say if it you know, actually is textured or not, or if it's just, you know, I think it's just etched in the glass. Yeah. yeah, But is it, is it, is it etched in, you know, in terms of, you know, one part is soft touch and the other part is glossy, uh, kind of like if you hold the new, uh, the one plus 10 pro, the one plus 10 pro logo on the back is etched in there on the glass and you can, you can feel the difference on it. Like it feels, it kind of feels like a sticker or something, but it's, it's the, the glossy part of it is lower or I don't know, is it higher than the matte finish on the back? So, uh, definitely curious to see how that feels with on your fingers. I have a feeling this should be under the glass, just etched yeah. in there to be like, because it's just cost thing. You know, I, this thing looks great, and that Dimensity chip is going to be pretty hot, I think. So I'm looking forward to playing with this one. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited for phones like this simply for the fact that yes, we have you know Snapdragon eight Gen one chipsets, you know, bleeding edge performance. But if you look at the Dimensity 8100 and even the Snapdragon 870, which is, you know, the reworked version of one of their previous chipset, those have always been so much more power efficient than the half-step down chipsets that they were replacing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we run benchmarks on all these devices, and it always surprises me when I get one of these chipsets that's, you know, this you know, halfway up mark thinking, oh, it's just going to be a little bit better. But then when you look at battery performance, it is significantly better. Like any, any device that I've benchmarked with the Snapdragon 870 outperformed, uh, you know, what I was expecting as far as battery life by, you know, a good 20 to 30%, which you typically don't get on those flagship tier devices when you're looking at the bleeding edge performance. Um, honestly, like if you're a regular consumer and you really don't care about buying a phone or the latest and greatest flagship phone, but simply want your best bang for your buck, chipsets like this is where you're going to get the best bang for your buck. So the other thing I'm looking through the specs here on the Chinese website, your writer didn't pick up on this. It's got a Sony IMX 766 with OIS. So this is basically yeah. So that's the the fifty megapixel main camera and Realme and the whole BBK group has been using the Nord that. Two has that as well, folks. And yeah. the uh, the other one that I really highly recommend right now, if you're living abroad and you want a really great phone for imaging, is the Realme Nine Pro Plus, which mm-hmm. has this IMX seven six six with OIS on a Dimensity nine twenty. Nothing nothing too crazy, but it still has OIS and. It has the color signs straight out of the freaking Find X5 Pro um, because it's tuned really well and it's the same sensor. So if you want a good camera phone and you want to spend $300, if you're in India or 
in Europe or wherever the bands will work, check out the Realme 9 Pro Plus. I've been going on about this phone for a while because very few phones at You've this price point. You've been liking that one a lot. Well, OIS for $300, that doesn't suck. It's, it's not like it. the TCL no. 20 Pro that had OIS, but the camera wasn't any good, it, it, right? The camera's no good, yeah. What would so, you say is the main selling point of this device, though? Like, is it all around, or does that 150-watt I think the 150-watt is really what they're pushing, yeah. and I think that's really the distinguishing features here. We can't underestimate this. You know, let's actually kind of roll in this conversation with the Samsung rumor we heard, because I want mm -hmm. to talk about this high-speed charging. You're a battery guy. I keep asking, the one of the number one question I get other than what phone should I buy, which I get all the time, or what car should I buy, which I get all the time too now that I review cars on Tech Radar, is well, 120 watt charging on, you know, the Xiaomi's or, or this 150 watt, like, is it safe? You know, is it not going to be bad for my battery? So there's a rumor just, you know, to kind of tie it all in so that you can jump in here, uh, Nick. And, and it's the rumor that Samsung's going to be using some of their EV technology, the battery technology from the electric cars that they develop battery packs for a whole bunch of companies out there. So does LG Chem, you know, so does Panasonic, which does the uh, Tesla batteries. So they're going to use some of that technology to put in the Galaxy S23 battery system. And that doesn't surprise me at all because in fact... A lot of this 120 watt, 150 watt, anything above 65 watt that we're starting to see on these phones, 80 watt, 100 watt, all of that is the result, of course, of much better power management and battery uh, monitoring, BMS, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's because they use AI now to predict the battery behavior. They use all kinds of technology. It's not just a dumb chip that tests its current and voltage anymore. It's like really much more advanced than that. So that's been the case for a bit. But I think it's the battery chemistry that makes it possible because we're seeing batteries that can that are guaranteed well, not guaranteed, but they're they're rated to be as like sixteen hundred cycles, um, and that's double what we've seen typically eight hundred to a thousand was the standard for for phones. So, you know, now that we have the Samsung Galaxy S twenty three rumor of using a new battery technology inherited from Samsung's EV batteries mm -hmm. and we're seeing this 150 watt charging what would you tell the people who ask me about this oh well should I buy the your Redmi Note 11 Pro plus 5G that has 120 watt charging or not kind of thing yeah I mean especially when talking about Samsung because Samsung does have this history with its Note devices where we had essentially a battery that was too large for the phone crammed into you know a device that was too small and they were trying to push too much power density in there and then they had this big massive recall so I, I, a lot of people are really concerned about things when you're saying hey we're gonna cram more power density into these batteries that technology that Samsung had with its Note series was essentially two generations ago versus what we have now because battery chemistries evolve so quickly. So I, I, anyone who's worried about that, like that's ancient history at this point. <laughs> yeah. And what we're looking at here is technically, I would say two generations ahead of uh, the current battery technologies that we have in our current smartphones where Samsung's offering, what, 25 watt charging for its devices uh, and being able to push a lot of power to these battery cells and they are technically very energy dense, but when you're looking at automotive, um, they are pushing the boundaries as to how many watt hours we can cram into essentially the same amount of space 
just because they can make that cars lighter, which means they can go further. But if the car is also lighter, you need less energy to push it forward. So it's a it's a right. win on both ends for for the EV business. It's not necessarily a win for smartphone manufacturers because it really doesn't matter if your phone is a little bit bigger or a little bit heavier. But if you are able to put in a smaller battery cell with the same amount of energy density or keep the same battery cell size and you know increase the energy density by 15 to 20%, reviewers are going to lose their mind. Like, <laughs> yep. you know, if we, we go to MWC and we see 150 watt charging, which is dramatically faster than anything else that's on the market right now, but combine faster charging, which uh, a lot of EVs have, uh, because that's enabled by these new battery technologies, but then couple that with better energy density, it improves everybody's use of these devices all around. Like you can have a flagship tier device with a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. That's not going to die on you by, you know, 6 to 8 p.m. at night. You can go into the evening if you have an extra 20% battery life in there. Um, it's it's really surprising to me that, you know, there are so many people who are still concerned about this because we've been seeing this in the automotive industry with fast charging for so long. But you know, um, th there's actually so much in misinformation even in the car industry. Like the oil is. industry is really trying to push against EVs and they're putting all this misinformation out there. I get so many people coming up to me and go, what about battery recycling and, you know, the essential earth materials needed to make them? And isn't it bad for the environment? I'm like, no, come on. Like I can explain all this to you and I do, but it's just like, there's so much misinformation around battery, how mm -hmm. they should be charged everything from whether it's evs or smartphones or personal tech it's just really really bad like i just kind of actually one of the only things that i wish smartphones had that evs have is a manual setting to set a maximum percentage of charge i forget which devices have it but there are a couple on the market that actually do it and you know if you actually go over to some custom ROMs, you know, if you if they you're do still if you're still digging through XDA developers, there <laughs> are some custom ROMs for specific devices where the ROM developers have been able to put in. You know how you be, used to be able to you know overclock your chipset on your device yeah. on some of the older phones. Yeah. Uh, now there's more granular power management capabilities inside of these custom ROMs. It's not something that you know you can just do by installing an app. Uh, because you need more, you know, system level uh, integration in order to get these done. That's why it's built into some of these ROMs. But yeah, it, to your point, you know, like like an EV, say I want to maximum charge my device to eighty percent, and I, you know, my my discharge, you know, my dead battery actually comes at. 10% instead of yeah. 0%. And that would be the healthiest for your cell, no matter what cell, no matter what battery Correct. chemistry, you know? But to to that point, though, like uh, Oppo announced their, you know, faster charging coupled with their new battery technology. I think they said 1,600 cycles. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so for those who don't know, the most other devices on the market right now are rated to losing... 20% of their overall capacity by the time you reach 800 cycles, so charge cycles. So for most people, that's going to be about two and a half to three years, depending on, you know, if you're depleting it all the way down to zero, charging it all the way back to 100. If you are charging your phone before it gets to zero and take it off the charger before it gets to 100, you increase the amount of cycles because it's not a complete cycle. Yeah. Um, but to that end, 
there's battery technologies out there, uh, different chemistry. So if you look at lithium ion phosphate, it's, it's what the new, uh, the Tesla Model 3s are switching over to. They're yeah, less the, the, energy the short dense. range ones. Yeah. yeah it's not as dense. It's not as but dense. It is but I, I don't know what reli tes reliable. Yeah. It's much more reliable. It doesn't catch fire because it, of the different chemistry that's in there. But also, uh, I'm not sure if Tesla's rated them for this amount of charge cycles, but if you simply buy the cells on their own, they're rated for 3,000 charge cycles. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think they have, they haven't Which changed. Which means you could charge it and discharge it every day for almost 10 years. It's like eight and a half years. They haven't changed their warranty, but basically they say that you can safely charge it to 100% every time if you mm -hmm. want. Yeah. Which is unheard of for typical car um, batteries. Yeah, because their other ones are about 600 cycles or so. Yeah. At the same time, though, the other ones, the, you know, is actually a better, better battery density. So you get that's why the long ranges are still using the older cells because mm -hmm. you get, you just get, you just, just better. So, you know, anything that's uh, model S, model X and the long range Y and three, which are the best sellers are all the old technology, but they're switching now at Gigafactory in Texas to the new cells that are the larger diameter cylindrical cells yep and those are more energy dense and more efficient use of space so that's going to possibly leapfrog again the phosphate um pouch cells that they're using on the short range or medium range cars which only are available they're just more expensive to manufacture at this moment yeah, yeah. What, what what tesla calls their standard range which is their model 3 and model y standard range actually the model y standard range is no longer made except for china mm -hmm. um in fact china also gets a, a rear wheel drive only model y which we don't get at all so for us the only model y you can get is the all-wheel drive and the one with the more tricky batteries but that are denser in long range form. So yeah, but to go back to the phones, I think for me, what takeaways here is that, you know, if you want to take care of your phone, don't discharge it fully, don't charge it fully. Um, and it's why I'd like to have the settings because for me, most of the time, I'm happy it was 10 to 90%. And that's how I treat my, my Tesla, my own car. And I mean, I don't discharge it usually much lower than 30, honestly, because I'm not really doing a lot of road trips right now. When I used to commute between Portland and San Francisco, of course, I would get it down to 10% sometimes, but not, this is rarely happens now, but I never go higher than 90. And unless I'm doing like a super long road trip where I know it's going to be at this one segment, that's a little tricky, although that's changing mm -hmm. with the charging infrastructure now. But the bottom line is, I think that, you know, people should learn about this because your batteries will last so much longer if you do that. So the flip side to that is OEMs don't give us a whole lot of information about specific devices. So it, it would be great if an OEM on their spec page said the exact chemistry of the battery and told us how many charge cycles right. it's rated for. Yeah. Uh, because besides OnePlus, who's done it for their most recent devices, because you know going from 800 charge cycles to 1600 is a massive leap. And honestly, at that point, you shouldn't even care about your battery anymore. You shouldn't care. No. You're going to get rid of that phone way before you get to 1600 charge cycles. But uh, OEMs have kind of done consumers a disservice because there's a lack of information. And the only time we really find out about it is the when someone tears open a smartphone and looks up the model number of the battery and then goes to some random database and finally figures out which battery is inside a specific phone. Um, so it, there's 
so much lack of information that's readily available to consumers. But then on the flip side, battery technology is evolving so quickly because of the EV industry that it's just hard to keep up. I mean, honestly, yeah. I probably watch one to two battery related videos uh, to, on some research channels on YouTube per week and read a handful of other articles as well, just because it's something that I'm interested in. And I have a hard time just trying to keep up with everything that's going on. So I can't imagine what consumers are thinking. Yeah. And they shouldn't really concern themselves. That's why I think setting, setting a max and min percentage yeah. or doing what some EV manufacturer doing, not giving you the full capacity of the battery, period. Mm -hmm. Like basically well, and just- they unlock it over time. You know, exactly. Once your battery starts degrading, they open up a that, little bit that more. That might be a solution too. But the bottom line is right now, if you have a phone you really love and you're going to keep it for a long time because, you know, you may be on a budget and you spent a lot of money on it and you want to really get the ma maximum out of it and you know it's going to get the updates like the Samsung ones or the Pixel ones, right? Mm -hmm. My recommendation is don't charge overnight every day. Charge no. when you need it. Charge when you need it. Have a have a wireless charging pad. Have a have a charger in you know in either working at home or whatever, and just plug it in and just keep an eye on it and just unplug it when it gets to eighty or whatever, and don't let it go all the way dead. I mean, once in a while it's fine. Once in a while, one hundred. You have gonna have a busy day. You at you at a trade show and you need to like be on your phone all day long. You know, put it to hundred. Of course, you need that. But like, I think if you do that, you know, it's a bit more work. But I think you'll 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 you really will improve the battery health of your phone and. That's kind of why I'd like to see the manufacturers do that. But at the same time, you're right. It's getting less and less of an issue when you have 1,600 cycles. And, you know, you can charge. And this is, I think, again, back, rolling it back to the OnePlus Ace and to the Xiaomi 120-watt charging and the upcoming, uh, you know, BBK Group 240-watt charging, right, that they've demoed as well. This is why this fast charging matters. When you stop charging your phone overnight and you charge your phone when needed, which is what a lot of people that have EVs that don't have a home and don't have a driveway or a garage do, like me. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you can't have an EV if you don't have a charger at home. BS. That's I've owned true. an EV yeah. for four years. On my, my second EV, I've never had a home charger and it's perfectly possible. Now people are going to say I live in California, but that doesn't matter. Honestly, it's perfectly possible. If you live in any kind of urban center, you'll be fine. The bottom line though is that I think on-demand charging your phone is the way to go. On-demand charging entirely your electronics. Yes, it takes a bit more management, but at the same time, you know, you'll get better performance. You'll get a better battery life and longevity out of your devices if you do that. And and when you have 150 watt charging, you know you're going to plug it in literally. You can get, you can literally set a timer on your phone for 10 minutes and know that you're going to be pretty much at the charge level you want to be, right? So that's the nice thing. You just plug it in and you just go like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go eat a chocolate bar, get a coffee, and I'll be back at my desk and my phone will be fully charged or charged the way I want it. Yep. And and that changes the game because on an iPhone right now or on a Galaxy, you know, it's like la 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 la, tapping your fingers, waiting for Even the freaking pixel, thing man. to charge. Takes forever. Yeah, the pixel. I know. And you, once you experience that, you, there's no going back, folks. It's like the difference between charging an EV on a level two charger, which takes eight hours, or charging it on a supercharger or DC fast charger, which takes 40 minutes most of the time, even 30 minutes if you're only charging 10 to 90. You know, that's the other thing too. Like that, that last 10% of charge on your phone takes the longest, right? Don't bother with it. It's no point because the difference in your battery life between 95% and 100% is nothing. It's like 10 minutes of use, maybe, right? I'm joking, but it's probably true. 
at the same time, that takes an hour or whatever on like a pixel. Or <laughs> I am exaggerating. It probably takes a lot, 20 minutes to, to get the five last percent, right? And the same with EVs. Like nobody charges their EVs to 100% simply because A, it's not good, but B, you'd be waiting forever. Your 30-minute quick charge would turn into an hour quick charge just for that last 10%, mm-hmm. right? So learn about the batteries. You're, you're all nerds and early adopters on this channel listening. I know you're going to be into it. So just, just learn about this stuff. And if you care about the phone battery, if you don't and you change your phone every year, whatever, just charge your phone any way you want. <laughs> Somebody else's problem. Ignore everything we just said. <laughs> yes. But no, the reality is this also brings another thing we should talk about briefly is the recycling of batteries. A lot of people are like getting really cranky about EVs, about like, how, mm-hmm. what about longevity of the battery packs? Like if I buy one, I want to keep this car for 10 years. Every manufacturer has at least an eight to 10 year and about a hundred thousand mile warranty on their packs. And what that warranty means is that they guarantee that you will not reach less than 80% capacity in that time frame or that number of miles. And trust me, there are Teslas out there with, you know, three, 400,000 miles that are still on their original pack and are still over 80%, okay? Like maybe 82%. There are also some Teslas out there that have had their pack replaced under warranty by Tesla. So you don't have to concern yourself with that. And also, frankly, I think going forward in the world of mobility in general, we're not going to owning cars anymore, folks. You're going to be leasing your car because the technology changes so fast. There's really, it just doesn't make sense to own a car for 10 years anymore. So you're going to say, well, what about the waste and the recycling? Well, cars are extremely recycling outside of EVs. Like just forget the EV part, but cars in general are extremely recyclable and they're easy to recycle. And it's something we've done for years. So don't worry yourself about that too much. But here's the other thing to consider. A lot of these cars are going to go to fleets. A lot of these cars are going to become vehicles that are used for taxis. Right. And then the other thing is that these battery packs, when they get bad, when Tesla says, yeah, we'll fix your pack for under warranty, that pack that they took out of your car gets tested and gets put in their power products. The big container sized battery pack that they ship all over the world, mm-hmm. basically for load balancing of the grid, for, uh, you know, backup energy solutions for enterprise and factories and industry. So those things are going to have another decade life after your decade in your car being used to like maybe a 60% capacity. And then they're going to recycle them because those materials and those batteries are so expensive to mine. They're never going to throw them in a landfill, guys. Like you've been brainwashed by the oil industry and the big car. Like I hate to say it sound like a crazy, you know, conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, but yeah. it's true. Like oh, this totally stuff is. is a lie. There's a lot of political poll and propaganda around fuel, you know, traditional vehicles and electric vehicles and all that. Um, But for those who are worried, yes, recycling of uh, batteries is completely a thing. There's quite a few different recycling methods for the batteries. There's methods where they actually grind the batteries and they turn them into dust and then they separate the dust particles by the different 
elements that are inside of the batteries and it is time intensive and it is expensive, but it does happen and it is actually profitable. It's actually more profitable in some instances to recycle these batteries manually by grinding them up and pulling out the different elements than it is to recycle plastic. So if there's entire industries- And it's cheaper are, than mining. Yeah, and so and the it, entire industry yeah. is having an issue right now with making enough batteries. Trust me, they're all on board on recycling. Like they're not going to mess this up. That being said, their their batteries ending up in landfills is a real thing. It's because, a problem because people don't know how to manage them yet. But as we do, it's going to get better and better and better. But honestly, even if they end up in landfills, you know, a small percentage of them, it's definitely a lot better than all the oil that we consume and burn and spill and like there's so many different levels of (laughs) the pollution that comes with you know traditional gas-powered vehicles so yeah i i I don't think you know the use of batteries as a product itself should be anyone's concern it's definitely a lot better than what we've seen from the oil industry over the years and remember lithium-ion batteries basically have been around since the early 90s Apple was and Sony were the first to use them mm. in camcorders and in laptops. Well, and also uh, everyone's using AA and AAA batteries for all their things, which are like a hundred times worse. worse than lithium-ion batteries. <laughs> I know. So don't like if if you're using AAA batteries, go buy rechargeable batteries right now because that's what you should be doing. But also, don't complain about lithium-ion batteries because they're so much better than AAA batteries. Exactly. So. Hopefully we learned something today about batteries on the channel. Because last week it was a vibration motor class. We spent 20 <laughs> minutes on vibration motors. This week we spent 20 minutes on batteries. But look, I think it's important because I know a lot of you have probably have a lot of questions about, you know, your phone's longevity. And also a lot of you are curious about EVs and maybe want to get one, can't afford one, are planning to get one, but you keep hearing this weird, you know bruja in the back of your head there from the the misinformation out there just don't let that get to you because it's all bs engineers have been on this for a long time and it's a solved problem yes it's not ideal you know these rare earth substances we need lithium and whatever for the batteries are pain to mine and then you know there's also the issues of how they're mined and and human rights issues around you know slave labor all of that is real but you know the industry as a whole is starting to address it wouldn't you say i would say so yes all right so let's talk about something else there's a bunch couple of more phones actually we want to talk about there is a moto just dumped a bunch of 5g moto g's on us a stylus 5g and a moto g 5g so g stylus 5g and just a 5g version of the g what are your thoughts on those i mean it's just usual moto doing the usual moto thing I, I think it's the usual Moto doing the usual Moto thing. I mean, these, you know, technically the Moto G and the Moto G Stylus are among their best selling devices uh, for Motorola overall, especially here in the US market where they have a sizable lead over a lot of the competitors when it comes to unlocked smartphones, uh, you know, buying a, a device without a contract uh, away from your carrier. So, that being said, there are some things that I kind of like about both of these devices. I mean, the one thing that we've always known about the Moto G series is that they've always had really good battery life, and that's not going to change with either of these devices. I believe they both have 5,000 milliamp hour batteries on the inside that would definitely take you into the day and a half mark 
or even two days based off of the chipsets that they're using to run these phones. Um, but I mean, you do get on the regular Moto G, uh, you get a 6.5 inch display with HD plus resolution. That's only 720p though. Um, uh, well, I HD plus HD, yeah, it is HD plus. 90 hertz. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, I can't believe they did that on a 5G phone. Yeah. It depends on the price, I guess, but man. But the price for this phone, let me double check here, is $400. And $400 for a 720p display. Get out of town, Moto. But here's the Get thing. Get the hell out of here. Here's the thing. There's very few devices in the US. Like, I, I'm not trying to justify their pricing and say this is a good deal for a phone, but there's very few devices available in the US that you can purchase and are available on a lot of MVNLs. N20 5G. Yeah, but that's only available on T-Mobile. And so, so what? Change Twitch to Timo. Like, this is worth it. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, but I mean, so this is going to be available on Cricket, on Dish, Boost, Republic, AT&T, Spectrum, <sighs> I'm, Google I'm not, Fi. I, this is and wrong. So, this is but, wrong. No, I, I completely get this. But Motorola is simply building a device that they know sells well for them and saying, let's give it a spec boost. Let's keep it at roughly that same price that we've always sold these Moto G phones for. Which was already overpriced, $400. This thing is a $200 phone with that spec sheet. So Wait, wait, hold on, hold on for a second. I completely agree with you, but... What 5G phone do we have out there right now that's $200 in the US? Like, forget the OnePlus stuff, just for a second. What do we have? We have the the T-Mobile Revelry or Revel V Plus or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. That's also 720p. But it's two hundred dollars, two hundred, right? Is, now, yes, but consumers don't change carriers. Why as much money for that? Consumers don't change carriers for phones, and there's a reason. This is why. Like, I, I completely get what you're saying, but this is Moto Moto G has been one of the best selling smartphones for Motorola, and they've gained market share in the last year by a and lot. And it used to have an AMOLED at 1080p. Years ago, with a metal chassis. Years ago, that was that was a different Moto G than it is today. It was the same price. It was actually cheaper. It was three hundred bucks back then. But so I just need to find out why people are buying these phones. I also need to find out what these phones are going to sell for. They're not going to sell four hundred dollars full price ever, right? That's the other thing you have to understand. Well, so at the carriers, they're going to be cheaper. Yes with whatever subsidies and stuff that are they're going to be handing out with these but phones. But I just wish Moto would price these realistically out of the gate. They always give this outrageous price for the specs. Well, and also Motorola runs sales. Every, they have a two-week sale that's yeah. just ongoing. They're permanent sale. Like they're every two weeks they specials. send another email. We have another sale. We have another sale. It's like Nokia. It's like yeah. Nokia and Moto have become the end cap of the uh, Walmart checkout register yep. Been special. It's ridiculous. Just it doesn't make up. your brand look good, Moto. So, <sighs> so if, if you're not phone. happy with that, <laughs> there's the Moto G Stylus, which... Which is more expensive. As the name implies, has a stylus, but it's more expensive. It does have a better chipset with a Snapdragon 695. So this is, this is the same Snapdragon 695 that we see in the OnePlus N20. But this is a $500 device. The difference here, we've got 8 gigabytes of RAM. 
That's a lot. And 256 gigabytes of storage. And it's a 120 hertz refresh rate display. See, this should be 400 and the other one should be 200. That's basically what they should be at. But a much, I think it's much better value the stylus here because yeah. the Moto oh, software completely. is delightful and the stylus experience is really good. Every time I review a G stylus of some kind, the 4G or the 5G version, last year, it's the same thing. I say, shave a hundred bucks off and you got a really solid phone. But the other one there, I, I can't even make a, I can't even create a value proposition for that phone unless it's given to you for free as a BOGO when you buy like another phone. Tell me, what's the MediaTek chipset on that $400 720p piece I'm, of crap? I'm trying to figure it out and it, Motorola Why is not, they tell us? they're not listing it on their spec page for some odd so reason. So I'm calling it 810. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, probably Dimensity the 800 or something. Oh man. Why Moto? Why? Why must you vex me so? <laughs> Sorry guys. I just, I just don't understand Moto. Like, it's the same as that, okay, look, I just reviewed the Edge Plus recently, right? Like, overpriced, completely out of control in terms of the market positioning. It's a great phone. I didn't like the Edge regular because of that crappy LCD, but I like this one. I like the Edge Plus. I think it's a good phone, but it should be it should be $599, like the Pixel 6, right? Pixel 6, The yeah. Pixel 6 is just walking all over it, right? Well, but to be fair, the Pixel 6 is an incredible good value compared to anything else that's on the market, okay, so especially for the US. Okay, so how about 699 Yeah. How about 699 I would say 699 So it's too, why do they price it 899 Are they shooting themselves in the foot? Like, again, Moto, like, Doug, if you're listening, seriously, you guys are doing the right thing. The specs on this Silas 5G is hot. It's not the just specs the price on is wrong. Yeah. But the price is wrong. And I said that about the Stylus 5G last year in my review for Geekspin. That's exactly what I told them. I said, you, you're kidding me? $450 for a Snapdragon 480 last year? It was ridiculous. Yeah. So to that point, though, that I mentioned earlier was, but people keep buying them and their market share, specifically in the US, where- I never see them in the wild. Where are these phones? I, someone's got to have them. I mean- I know. That's my point. Like We keep hearing that- th models, They're definitely not techies. They're not people you would hang out so with. Well. I never see honestly those like the, these are phones that you would buy your grandma, like your mom, your grandma, people who just want a phone that has a large display, especially the stylus because it's a stylus yeah. not specifically with added features. It's just a finger pointer. It's, it's a stick to touch your screen. It's with. a great alternative, like affordable alternative to a, a note. And in that sense, but it's I, not because it doesn't have any of the stylus features. Like no, but. How it, often it, do you use the stupid stylus features on the Note? Like, how often do you use the magic wand thingy? Well, like, if, if you, you know, are a Note user, one of those diehard Note users, you do it all the time. But of course, everyone else you know. is, yeah, if for everyone else, it's just another <laughs> thing to poke the screen with. So, who knows? Anyway, ah, uh, Moto. And, you know, it's funny because I'm reacting because I was pitched this under embargo, but I never got the materials. I couldn't do the briefing because I was traveling in Germany at the time. So I, I got this, basically the specs this morning just before the embargo lifted and I couldn't believe the price. I'm just like, and the 720p. Like, honestly, that's all. Like the price in 720p on that cheaper phone and you're good, you're good. You could justify these phones in 100%. You know, the other thing that vexes me about this, ever since the Moto G power 2022 the one we got in november last year remember when we visited mm -hmm. 
Moto in New York City, they've put that 50 megapixel sensor in all of their yep. G phones. And on paper, I was like, oh, great, a 50 megapixel sensor at this it's price point. It's not bidding. the best sensor. It's the worst not 50 the megapixel sensor. It's worse than the 12 megapixel that was on the cameras before or 13 or whatever they had. It's so bad. I don't know. Moto, come on. You know, I was joking a few podcasts ago that I think when we were reviewing the Red Magic 7, that the baseline for measuring camera performance is Moto at the bottom. Like, is it Moto bad? You know? <laughs> that's, just, that's just sad. They're reinforcing sad. this with this sensor. Like, I, again, if you're listening, folks at Moto, like, it's sad that we have to talk about Moto as the baseline of bad for cameras. Because, I mean, the Edge Plus is pretty decent. We know that's actually one of the first where I was like, wow, okay, like, this is fine. But, like, you need this across the board. Like, that OnePlus phone is not even going to try to be good with its camera. It's going to totally walk all over And it's going to be significantly better, yeah. I mean, at this point for me, I, I've started reviewing devices and talking about cameras in the vein of what are you using a camera for? For So I get so many comments from people saying, I never use the cameras on my device. This is not a feature I use. And I'm like, okay, well, this device is not for you because, well, not specifically this device, but the device I'm reviewing at the time, this phone is for somebody who's enthusiastic about cameras. If you're not enthusiastic about cameras, then this phone is not for you. I would say... This phone, the Moto G, is for the person who does not use the cameras or does a random video call with a person every couple weeks and maybe uses the camera at the grocery store to take a picture of something as they're buying groceries to send to their spouse or something. Like, they're not taking vacation pictures. And to that point, maybe that's the market of people who they're selling these phones to, right? You see, I have another theory here because I've heard this argument and and the theory is that once you show these people who have never experienced a good camera on their phone. Oh, they'll never look back. Like it, Right? Right. And so if you can do it at an affordable price point, I'm not saying like they should go buy an iPhone 13 or a Galaxy S series. They can't afford it. They don't want to. Great. But I'm like, the reason they're not interested in the camera performance is because they have never experienced a good mm-hmm. camera on a phone. They don't know it can be done. But correct. once they do, they will start taking pictures of their niece and nephews. Oh, correct. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's Moto doing the world a disservice here because they're locking these people in who don't know what they're missing by not letting them see what they're missing. It's like, come on, like we can do better than this. Well, and I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who they, they asked me, like, are there things you can do for a phone to get better zoom? Because I have, I have an iPhone and I'm always taking pictures and I'm zooming in, but it's always just blurry. And I, you know, I asked, what are you using? An iPhone 11. I'm like, okay, the iPhone 11's got a good camera, but it doesn't have the zoom camera, right? Right. And so I was like, my recommendation, if you want to stay on iOS, you should get the iPhone 13 Pro because it will have a dedicated zoom camera. It's not as good as what you could get on a Samsung, but it's going to be dramatically better having, what is it, a 3X zoom? It's not not a 3.5, it's a 3X. Having a 3X zoom versus, uh, you know, a 1X, or if they're using the portrait mode, you know, going to that. But the, they, they, they said, well, 
I would rather buy something to stick on the back of it. I was like, well, you can get like a moment lens that will give you a 2x zoom, but it's yeah. not going to be anywhere as good. And then just for the fun of it, I sent them, well, this is, this is what an iPhone can do. I then sent um, my camera test with the Galaxy S22 Ultra with the 10x right. zoom. And I have certain por- parts in the video. I actually recorded it in New York uh, right before a uh, Lenovo event because we're talking about Motorola here. <laughs> um, but I was in yeah. New York and I, I was taking some pictures and you know, recording video and going from the ultra wide camera and then All the way switching in. yeah. into the yeah, main sensor, yeah. switching into the 3X, 3X and then 10X. going to the 10X, not even doing the digital zoom on top of the 10X, just sitting at the 10X and like being able to zoom in and like looking at a condo and like framing somebody's window, or I think it was like an office or something like that. And you could see people inside and it was something that was literally from me, like a quarter mile away. And they watched the video. They're like, I think I'm buying a Samsung. To your point, show people what they can do with it and they'll not look back. You know, with this, you're selling cameras that aren't good at all, but people aren't expecting anything. But the moment that you show them something good, their perception changes as to what they want to buy. They decided they they would skip iOS, an upgrade to another iOS wow, device to go to Samsung. that's a big change you made happen there. Because yeah. the one thing they're looking for was Zoom. And yeah. Samsung delivers on that. So they're switching platforms. So I, I wasn't Incredible. expecting and well I, I just sent them that <laughs> just to say, hey, you want iOS. But just so you know, this is what this phone can do. And they're like, oh my gosh. Right. So, hey, we have one last item I want to talk about before we wrap up, and that's the Blue F91 5G, a kind of a crap phone as well. But, hey, it's Blue, and Blue hasn't made a 5G phone yet. So I thought, hey, we should talk about it real briefly. Ah, Blue, Blue, Blue. You know, it's honestly been about five years since I've held a Blue phone in my hand. I know, right? It's Same been here. so, so this long. Has, let's go through it real quick. It's got Dimensity 810, speaking of entry-level mm-hmm. Dimensities. And it has a, it's a pretty decent looking phone. Like it's got one of those gradient blue finishes on the back. It's all probably all plastic. It's got micro SD. It's got eight gigs of RAM, 120 gigs of storage. You know, basically what you expect from that price point. What is the price point actually? Let's have a look price at point, that. Price $200. $200. Well, it's, it's actually, no, price. It's 300 but it's on sale for it's 200 Correct. Yeah. So it's a $300 device that's on sale. Um, and depending on where you buy it on Amazon right now, I think it's two nineteen for this initial yeah. sale. Well, that's pretty good. Like, I mean, look, it has a 1080p LCD. Yeah, it's got a 1080p LCD, uh, <laughs> 16 megapixel front facing camera, 48 megapixel main camera. Which I bet you is better than the 50 on that, on that Moto G 5G. Correct. See, see, like, and this is a U.S. sold phone, right? It has mm-hmm. U.S. bands, I presume. Yes. Unlocked, right? It's probably not certified for AT&T, but I bet you'll work on Timo and maybe Verizon. So wouldn't you buy this? I mean, the software is going to be a disaster on that thing, though. I don't know. Blue's got a pretty stripped-down version of Android. So, I mean, unless they're okay. they're doing... Then again, I haven't used one in years, so I can't speak to what the user experience is like. But based off of what I've seen, it's a pretty stripped-down version of Android. So there's not a whole lot of customization. There's probably going to be a whole lot of bloatware on there, uh, apps uh. That, that you don't want. but. Um, they should be able to be uninstalled. I mean, once you've 
do your initial setup, you know, go in and remove 10 games that you didn't want pre-installed on your device. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, that's part for the course these days for any device, like even a Samsung phone, you, you pick up a Samsung phone and there's like 14 Microsoft apps installed on there. I'm like, I'm not ever using any of these. Uh, so the bloatware is a, a thing everywhere. So I, I wouldn't hold this, hold it against blue because everyone's doing it. Yeah. And you know what? The thing kind of has that Galaxy S20 fan edition vibe from last year to it. It does. And it, a little bit. It, yeah, it's kind of, I would say it's a kind of a mix, the design kind of a mix between some some 2021 Realme devices and Samsung devices. Yeah. I mean, it, yep. it's got that it's a familiar look. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be the best build quality ever, but it's got a side mounted fingerprint sensor, which I, I think is a good thing, even though. Personally, my thumb is like my worst fingerprint on my hand. Yeah, me too, because I'm always like fixing shit and, you know. Yeah, and for for some reason, side-mounted fingerprint sensors don't work well with my right thumb. Uh, oh. They work, it works great for in-display fingerprint sensors, but not side-mounted ones for some reason. I don't know. Well, you know. It's just me. You, we all have issues with fingerprint sensors. They're not perfect, but some are better than others. And, uh, you know, I think for me, I have too, too many problems with side-mounted ones. It's the optical ones usually that are not the best. And then the ultrasonic ones have gotten really good. So, mm. you know, that's really only Samsung at this point. So we should wrap up. Uh, Nick, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Definitely. Uh, you can find me personally uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Nick M. Gray. Or else you can follow my work on fandroid.com or youtube.com slash fandroid. Folks, you should definitely put fandroid in your reading list and check out the YouTube channel. I think there's a ton of great videos. Nick makes awesome camera test videos. I mean, who else has an Honor Magic 4 Pro camera test video? Only Nick, I, right? I think there's maybe two or three other ones out there because not very many people got their hands on the device for a couple hours. That was brilliant though. Like you, I thought that was so good when you did that. So folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. Think comic book character, drop the vowels, and that's my handle. If you want to discuss the podcast with me and Nick, please hit us up on Twitter, ask your questions, make your comments. If you want to look at pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones, pretty pictures of cars, I have a Rivian right now. So that's the electric truck i had a lucid air last week it's been a good month in terms of cool pictures of evs so check that out and of course there's a couple of youtube channels you should subscribe to youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast and youtube.com slash mobile tech more the main channel is the podcast channel it's got all the phone and audio and smartwatch stuff because it's like my, my core interest and you know it's visuals to go along with the podcast and then you get of course the other stuff travel tech car tech home automation all of the other smartphone ecosystem things on the more channel so you know how youtube works like subscribe tell your friends click the little notification bell and comment and all that if you want to comment about the podcast on the videos i'll i'll respond it's cool there's also the podcast, which lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. So if you want to subscribe, that would be wonderful. We're on all the major platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. If your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. It really would help. It's fantastic for discovery. Those of you who know, know 
that there is a Patreon. Patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. If you want to watch a video version of the show and see Nick's face, my face, and some phones that we held up for a minute, you should be on Patreon because a certain tier will let you get the video version ahead of the audio version with less edits, a little more personal and raw, pretty fun. So consider joining Patreon. We also have a tier for a Discord server you can join that lets you chat with me. There's a bunch of other goodies in there. And most importantly, it supports me and helps me continue doing this podcast on a regular basis. So if you want to help, consider it. I want to thank Roberto Gomez who joined this week. Thank you. And I also want to thank my existing Patreons for being awesome and staying with me. Yeah, folks, check it out. Patreon.com slash TNKGRL. And if you don't like Patreon, I get it. There is other options here. I have a PayPal link in the show notes. You can click through and buy me a coffee, make a donation, a one-time thing. You don't have to worry about anything. It's great. So check that out. Consider Patreon. Consider the PayPal link. I'd appreciate it. We would love your support. And speaking of support, you can also help by helping us sponsor Audible. Audible has been with us since the very early days of the show. They're awesome. They're the number one audiobook platform in the world. If you love books as much as I do, you will love the offer we have. It's a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end if you stay or not. I think you should check it out. audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And here's what the deal is. Basically, I'm tired a lot because I just work a lot. I'm on the computer all day. My eyes get tired and I want to read at the end of the day, but I'm just like, oh, my eyes or I'm on a plane and it's dark and you know Kindles I know some of them are backlit now but I, I just don't I like I can only read on backlight and I don't it tires me out as well so audible to the rescue just put on earbuds and headphones just lie back close your eyes listen to somebody reading a book it's amazing some of the books are read by the authors they have an incredible selection you get like some super long stuff like 12 hour road trip epic books that take forever but you kind of get into them. It's kind of like watching episodes of Netflix, you know? You want to get back to it. And then you have like short form stuff, like podcasts and short stories. It's really awesome. So if you want to help in some way and you're not already with Audible, consider joining and uh, trying it out. audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. And again, I want to thank Audible for being our sponsor. And I want to thank you, Nick, for being on the show for the... I don't know, nth time now. It's been so many times. It's awesome. I appreciate you having me on, as always. We'll definitely have you on again, Nick. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.